0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Kennedy and Clark, Masters of Rock Talk Podcast. And yes, I usually speak like that. I'm Dr. Clark, and today I'm joined by Mr. Ferris Kennedy. I am here, and the good doctor is here with me,
1: and let's rock and roll,
0: Doc. Well, you know, today, this afternoon, tonight, wherever you are, because we seem to have listeners from many time zones, and thank you for that. Today we are talking about the late... Great, legendary electric guitarist, Jeff Beck. You know, there cannot really be a best drummer. There can't be a best singer, a best bass player, a best guitarist. That's not the way things work is in real life. But if they did, well, Jeff Beck was likely the best electric guitarist. He really was. I know it's a goofy statement. Certainly, I would say he was among the most innovative electric guitarists of the 60s and 70s in rock music. Now, as most of you know, he died recently at the age of 78.
1: January 10th, 2023.
0: There you go. The tributes <laughs> to Jeff on social media are barely slowing down. It's incredible. His influence easily puts him in the same room as Jimi Hendrix, who was a friend of his. In fact, Hendrix recorded a kind of a mini homage to Beck. So, why? Was he that good? Yes. He was, let's go back to the beginning of his recording. So 1968, you have Truth, uh, 69, Beckola, great albums. 1971, Rough and Ready, 72, Jeff Beck Group. 73, Beck, Bogart, and a piece. Kind of a, uh, what would I call it? Like a super group, which I've never liked. 75, Blow by Blow, that's when I first kind of got to know him a bit. Great album. And Wired, which I think was produced by George Martin. In 76, I should mention I saw Beck live twice. I don't know if he was a great performer, you know, a great showman. He didn't have to be, really. He was such a great guitarist. He didn't need dry ice or makeup or floating pigs or dancers or whatever the hell. He just had an electric guitar. You know, I'm sure you've heard of the ridiculous backstage writers a lot of rock stars have. You know, I think the Eminem's, you know, sequence with Van Halen's Legendary. Uh, you know what Jeff Beck's backshades writer was? This is the best guitarist in the world. He asked for an ashtray and an armless chair. That's a pro. That's a. This is you do it. He's a Sinatra of guitars. <clears throat> he doesn't need little thin cut deli. He wants an armless chair. <laughs> what
1: I like about Beck, though, is that he's he's known as one of the essential guitarists of the British invasion
0: yeah he really was
1: and apparently or not apparently but he did he played both styles in his long unpredictable career both pioneering psychedelia heavy metal and jazz rock
0: that's true you know he, I'll get to th- I think he was a restless guy good and bad right I mean that's so what other albums well, there's There and Back from 1980 Flash from 85 Jeff Beck's Guitar Shop I remember that one from 89 Crazy Legs from 93 who else from '99? You had it coming from 2001. Jeff from 2003. I wonder we got that title. Emotion and commotion <laughs> from 2003, 2010. With a <laughs> loud hailer from 2016, and 18 with a guy named Johnny Depp from 2022. And he did a ton of live stuff. You know what though? That sounds like he did a lot. But when you look at Jeff Beck. I mean, really, he started rec- he's been around since the mid 60s. It's not that much stuff, really. Uh, he wasn't a real, he's not known as a composer for me. Jeff Beck was a performer. Uh, one problem with Jeff Beck, and I almost call it the David Bowie problem, is that he was almost too smart for the job. And so that means you get restless and you get goofy. And Jeff Beck was scattered in many ways. He just was. And Bowie was the same. And uh, Bowie's case, he probably did too many drugs and stuff. But that's just part of their M.O. You know, that's what these guys do. As former bandmate Rod Stewart said of Jeff Beck, he wasn't a natural leader. He was just too isolated. So instead of the 4-4 time music, he got jazz fusion. Playing Chuck Berry riffs was not going to do it for Jeff. But he always seemed to be busy, right? Everybody wanted Jeff in their album, from Guns N' Roses to Van Morrison. It didn't matter. Everybody wanted Jeff back. Who wouldn't want Jeff back on their album? Let's look at his live albums. Japan, 73. The Hammer, 77. And then there's a strange gap, up to 99, really, and then some stuff from 2006. In 2008, he did stuff from the famous Ronnie Scott's Club in London. I've heard it all. It's really, really good playing. I think he's in top form. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine lists Jess Beck as one of the top five greatest guitarists of all time. As you know, I can't stand lists, but okay, I can live with it because I know... I haven't seen this, but I'm going to guess Jimmy Page is there, or Clapton, Jimi Hendrix, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well... But this, they're all safe bets, but Jeff Beck is the safest if we go that route. And he's the only one that keeps growing. This. They say Captain Clapton Red really hasn't grown since, like Derek and the Dominoes. And uh, some guy made a great point recently on, I think it was Louder.com, Jimmy Page really hasn't grown as a guitarist since Zeppelin. He's still the same. And, of course, Jimi Hendrix, gone at 27, didn't really have a chance to grow. So in 65, he was recruited by the Yardbirds and replaced somebody called Eric Clapton. And he's recommended by the position by Jimmy Page. So typical Jeff Beck, he was with them for about 20 months. In fact, they fired him for being a no-show. He's just difficult to get along with. He's a prickly guy. He was known for having a bad temper. And Have you ever seen a clip of the Yardbirds playing in that great uh, Antonioni movie, Blow Up from 66? It's no wonder they have Jeff Beck smashing up a broken amp in frustration. It was like central casting. By the way, trivia with that, the, the money he made from that movie, he bought his first Hot Rod, his first sports car. In '66, he recorded an instrumental called Beck's Bolero. Now, you know who was backing him on this? This is ridiculous. This is like a single, this is the backup. Jimmy Page on 12 string electric, Keith Moon on drums. John Paul Jones on bass, Nicky Hopkins on piano. How can you go wrong? And of course, Jeff Beck's playing life. It's not even billed as a supergroup. Everyone there is an outstanding musician. They should have though
1: billed that as a supergroup because I think they would have a lot of success.
0: They did, back then <coughs> uh, they didn't know about super. The first supergroup was Cream, which I thought get get it Cream, yeah. which I thought was pretentious. I just thought it was. I don't like supergroups. I think it's it's like getting all these great soccer players together and thinking they're they're better than just a standard soccer team. It never works out. Or all these great NHL all stars. There's the fluency to a group. Just because you're good in piano and he's good on bass doesn't mean together like you know what I mean? That's not the way the world works. But
1: the Jeff Beck group itself with Rod Stewart and Ron Wood at the time wasn't really considered That's a super true. Was it considered a supergroup? Were they still known? No, like when they were no, like Ron Wood. I only knew about Ron Wood from Small Faces. Yeah, really. And then who's a the good drummer? Kenny Jones? Kenny time? Jones, yeah. So which is now odd that he's helping out the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I know. It's like <laughs>
0: it's like what goes around comes around. And uh 6074 and Jeff Beck group with Rod Stewart and Vocals. Uh, as we said, Ronnie Wood on bass, and Nicky Hopkins on piano, and Ainsley Dunbar on drums. Great drummer. Um so now we're into that kind of sound that Jeff Beck, that fusion sound that he created in Beckola in 69. A bit of trivia. This blew me away when I found this out. Uh, when Sid Barrett left Pink Floyd, well, actually, he was kicked out of Pink Floyd in 67, they wanted him replaced by Jeff Beck, but no one had the guts to ask him to join Pink Floyd. When Brian Jones died in 68, they wanted him replaced by Jeff Beck. He said no. So you get this: this guy turns down invitations in Pink Floyd and the Rolling Stones. This is, is a taste of Jeff Beck. Like it's just—he was a rebel before Neil Young was a rebel. Like this guy is impressive.
1: Could you have a manage, manage, imagined how this would have turned out? You know me. Whenever it comes to Rolling Stones, I never really cared much for Brian Jones. I told myself I was kind of happy with Mick Taylor. And then he was replaced by, I guess, Ron Wood. Wood. And, and, th- and there we go, right? Yeah. But to me, it's always been Charlie, Keith, Mick. That's pretty well the three yeah. that I grew up on. Can you imagine if he would have teamed up with David Gilmore and Roger Waters? Just think of the arguments with Roger Waters. Because It's just
0: I know, Roger uh, I know. Waters. Roger alone, he, wa- he argues with himself in the closet. <laughs> but, I mean, Jeff Beck is not a guy to argue with. He's just a lone ranger. And that's part of the, the the strength and a weakness, as Rod Stewart said. Not a great band leader, you know. He goes in too many directions. He never followed trends. Jeff Beck never went after radio play, you know. But when FM stations got big in the early seventies, then they started to play back. In eighty one, he's with Clapton at one of the Amnesty International benefits, and he was also at Clapton's Crossroads. He played an arrangement of Stevie Wonder's song called uh, "Because We Ended as Lovers." And that became a signature tune for Beck. He does a really beautiful job of it. In 85, he went back with Rod Stewart, his old buddy for Curtis Mayfield's uh, People Get Ready. Great song. You know, let's talk this briefly about Jeff Beck and technique. If you can go on YouTube, you can see this. Everyone's always trying to dissect. How does he do that? Because used king of the whammy bar and the volume control. Uh, and he played without a pick, which is very strange for an electric guitar player, but that's what he did. Uh, he used a bit of distortion, a bit of fuzz in the early days. What else you need to know? He's a vegetarian since 69, so he kind of buddied up with Paul McCartney on that. And he built some really great hot rods. There's a video on YouTube where you he see some of the rods he built. Uh, for me personally, Jeff Beck is one of those guys that was always around, which makes his death Leave somewhat of a vacuum. You just expect him to be at the next concert for such and such, the next benefit, for such and such. I think he pointed the way, like Hendrix did before him, of what is possible with the electric guitar. With most electric guitar players, you can't really identify their sound. A few stand out: Hendrix, Santana, Chuck Berry, maybe. But you hear Jeff Beck. You yeah, that's Jeff Beck. Yeah. So that, it's that spirit of elevation which is lost now. It can't be planned. It can't be taught. It's very strange. He moved the whole weight forward, and that's extremely rare. And that, ladies and germs, is my humble homage to the late, great Jeff Beck. Can I? Yeah. It's It's been a strange season because, with his passing, almost uh, contiguous has been eight days later. David Crosby, you know. I'll talk a little bit about David Crosby, but I can kind of preface it by saying David Crosby is one of those guys, it's just amazing he made it to 81 because he always seemed, know, since he was 60 or something, he always seemed ill. He was in and out of the hospital, he's going into jail, whatever. he has addictions, he's in rehab, he's up for uh, uh, possession of firearms. He's just one of those gonzo lives. He is one of those few figures
1: in 20th century. American music that had as pervasive an influence as David Crosby and funny enough founding member of the birds though well, not the yard birds but the birds similar to Jeff Beck he helped uh, basically shaped the ringing sound of the 1960s folk rock and pioneered trippy psychedelia yet his greatest fame came as part of Crosby Stills and Nash a super group he formed with Stephen Stills and Graham Nash that helped usher in the mature reflective 70s sometimes joined by neil young which in my opinion made the band just 10 times better and ian will be like whoa, whoa. stop Just stop
0: <laughs> 10 times better
1: you know me i love neil young and for those of you that know us <laughs> Whenever we talk about
0: this, that's yeah, true. I can handle Neil Young's two albums, and then I really think that someone should have shut the mic off. Harvest and After the Gold Rush. Sorry, it it ended there for me.
1: Oh, I
0: know. Uh, he was with. He's with the birds. He, you can hear him on their big hits, Eight Miles High and Turn 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 and Mister Tambourine Man. But, is it any surprise that you know David Crosby got kicked out of the burrs by Roger McGuinn, the leader? No. Because David Crosby had a bad attitude for a lot of years. The old David Crosby you see on YouTube, and he's wrinkled up in the gray hair, and he's nice David Crosby. As, a, as David, to kind of a, uh, quote David Bowie, you know, as you get older you become the person you always should have been. And that's the guy he should have been but when he was young he wasn't that guy and he got kicked out of the birds and so off he off he went and uh he went on his own for a little bit didn't really work out he was down in florida 1968 and he discovered a canadian folk singer you might have heard of joni mitchell singing in a bar brought her back they were kind of boyfriend girlfriend produced her, her first album and the rest is history with Joni. Um, and he, as, I said, as my buddy said, he joined up with uh, uh, Graham Nash from the Hollies and Stephen Stills from Buffalo Springfield. And they created Crosby Stills Nash. And they brought in later my buddy Neil Young. And you know what? The third or fourth gig was a little concert you might have heard of Woodstock. It's the third <laughs> or fourth time you play together, you're at Woodstock. The four of them, though. Uh, Yeah, Neil Young famously would not consent to be filmed. So if you watch them, you can hear him, but you can't see him in the movie. This is so Neil Young. That would be so Jeff Beck in a way. Beck's not so paranoid about that, but Neil is paranoid about that stuff. So if you see Woodstock, and they're singing Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, the guy you hear in the background? Well, that's Neil, but he wouldn't appear on camera. So uh, just going out of his way to be irritating. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he joined in 69, and the 1970 album Deja Vu, which is a great album, I think it's their best, It sold 7 million copies. Hits, Woodstock was on it, written by Joni Mitchell, who wasn't there. Teach Your Children by Graham Nash, and no, Teach Your Children by uh, Stephen Stills, and Our House by Graham Nash. By 1970, uh, Steven Stills backed off from the group a bit. He's also kind of a prickly personality, and they all kind of did their own thing, especially Neil. Basically, he left, right? And in 77, they got together again for quadruple platinum selling CSN. And they rec- performed at an anti-nuke uh, concert in 79. They recorded an album called Daylight Again in 82. But, you know, they never really got back their 60s mojo. By the early 80s, Crosby was taking way too many drugs Uh, In 85, he went to prison for nine months of a five-year term for possessing cocaine and carrying a gun. David Crosby had a love for firearms. It's a strange gig with a a San Francisco-type hippie, but there you go. He got out of prison in 86, clean and sober, married his longtime girlfriend, Jan Dance, and went off on another tangent in his remarkable life see Sam got together in 88 uh with an mer- album called american dream it isn't too bad and he was-, was there too
1: on that one pardon me he was on that one too yeah young did he yes. he's on that one? Yeah. yeah in the video you see him he's like a hobo oh. <laughs> oh,
0: boy he must have dressed up for that <laughs> holy god <laughs> it's true central casting <laughs> In 94, he had a liver transplant, I wonder why, and recorded a CSN album called After the Storm, which sold less than 200,000 copies. So you go from 6 million to 200,000. Oh, boy. Uh, Throughout the 2000s, he remained unapologetic in his pro-gun views. In 2004, he pleaded guilty to criminal possession of a weapon. They found a gun and a small quantity of marijuana in his hotel room after a concert, but he didn't go to jail, thank God. Uh, CSN toured uh, sporadically over 35 deals. Neil Young joined them on a very lucrative reunion tour in 74, 2000, 2006. By 2015, longtime buddies Crosby and Nash suffered a falling out. Nobody really knows uh, what it was about, thank God. Uh, it's not our business. So Crosby focused on his solo career. He said, quote, It doesn't matter if you have two weeks of life left or ten years. What matters is what you do with the time you have. If you sit there on your behind and worry about dying, then you have wasted it. I haven't wasted it. I've been having a really good time and feeling wonderful about it. Sooner or later, something's going to break. But right now, life is pretty great. So there you have it folks, David Crosby. You know, if you're interested in classic rock, if you're interested in folk rock in the 1960s, if you're interested in Woodstock, uh era great vocal harmonies, get interested in David Crosby. And I think that's a bit of a summation for two late great rock performers today. And for the trivia? Yes.
1: For those of you that know Ian very well, we've discussed this before. Yes. Out of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Ian stated that the one that had the best voice and probably his favorite one out of all four is Graham Nash. <laughs> well,
0: that's true. He's, yeah. the, he's the guy... He Listen, listen to the Hall. He's like a song like Bus Stop. And he's one of these guys that's interview, He's a very uh, peaceful kind of human being. It looks like he meditates a lot. The other two are prickly personalities. He added Neil Young, I don't know how it worked. No wonder Neil didn't stick around. They're, you need people to get along with each other like the Beatles did in the early years, right? And they didn't really, and they, they did one, in my opinion, one great album, Deja Vu. And the rest are pretty good, incredible harmonies, but that's it. Crosby Problem, he did so many drugs. I don't know what kind of pain he was in, but when I think of West Coast rock and roll in the 60s, Whiskey A Go Go, all this stuff, I think of David Crosby with the Birds. you know, the ultimate 60s band, the Birds, Jefferson Airplane, uh, Grateful Dead, what have you, The Doors, I think of him. And he was 81, of course, which isn't young, but he will be missed. And out of
1: those four, what, you had Young that's Canadian, Crosby American, Graham Nash British.
0: Right. What was Stephen Stills? He's uh, from the south in uh in, I'm, not, I'm not sure what state. Okay, so two Americans, yeah. one Canadian and one I uh, know, one British guy. It shouldn't it say what somebody once said everyone has a different accent. Yeah. It just shouldn't work. But it did. It did work. <laughs> there is something called Everly Brothers harmony. A lot of brothers have that like the Bee Gees. But this was not brothers harmony. This was something else. But pick up, I don't know, Deja Vu or listen to Our House and just listen to the harmonies. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, beautiful song. Wow. Does yeah. it get better? No. So with that, I uh, bid you adieu, as I say, wherever you are, whatever time it is, and be sure to check out our other podcast.
1: Serious Rock Talk. And we are masses of rock talk. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Ferris Kennedy.
0: I'm Dr. Ian Clark. Have a wonderful time. Good
1: night. Good night. Good night.